Welcome to Knowledge on the Go, where we explore the leading practices that have emerged in Vizient's PI collaboratives. I'm Laura Hoffman, Performance Improvement Program Director at Vizient and your program host. Social determinants of health are the conditions in which we are born. It's where we live and work and play that affect a wide range of health and quality of life outcomes. Research tells us that when social determinants of health, such as transportation, housing, and food security are unmet, it can negatively impact health outcomes by as much as 50%. Having a better understanding of these social risk factors can help us improve the care we provide patients. This is why the team at Norman Regional Health System began screening for social determinants of health. And to tell us about their experiences are Kristen O'Neill, Administrator, Post-Acute Transitions and Community Engagement, and Donna Avila, Director of Care Coordination. Welcome, Kristen and Donna. We're so happy you could join us today. Laura, thank you for having us. Kristen, what made you decide that now is the right time to begin concentrating on social determinants? Health equity most recently has become one of the biggest focuses in healthcare today, nationwide. We see the health disparities, we see the social determinants of health and how these are contributing to readmissions, to high utilization, and in the end, having poor effect on patient outcomes. For our transitions of care team, our nurse navigators see this on a daily basis. So when we're making our phone calls, our patients are discussing their medications, discussing their appointments with their doctors. But then on a side note, they're talking about the cutoff notice from their electric company or the eviction notice that may have been served to them because when they were in the hospital, they weren't able to pay their rent, especially with the current issues in the nation right now with financial needs for so many and with COVID exacerbating these issues, there has been a huge increase in food insecurity along with the housing and utilities. So it was only natural for this to come from our area with care coordination so that we could be more proactive in helping these patient situations and not find out about it too little too late. So by screening these patients, even just a few days quicker in the hospital, we're able to get better insight on their needs and what will be tackling after they discharge from the hospital. This is definitely on the radar of CMS. The Joint Commission has added health equity screening to their annual survey. And so this is only going to get bigger and have a greater focus with payers, with health systems, with physician clinics. And so we want to be kind of ahead of the curve and begin this process now, most importantly, to help our patients on a more holistic view for their health care. Thanks so much for sharing your why behind the need to focus on social needs now. From my understanding, prior to beginning more formal screening for unmet social needs, Norman Regional had already been working in the community to uncover and address social needs. Donna, can you share with us some of the work you've been doing in the community? Absolutely. So Norman Regional Health System has always been highly engaged in the communities that we serve. We have post-acute partnerships with many providers, community agencies. We have initiatives such as medication assistance 
And we had fragmented transportation to help our patients as well, getting back and forth to their medical appointments. However, in the midst of COVID, some of these social determinants of health and barriers became even more pronounced. We came across that COVID caused some of our community members to become even more isolated than they already were. These community members were what we call elder orphans, people who live alone. Their adult children or family members may live on each coast or many states away. These people relied on their neighbors, their friends, their church peers and members, and those people quit going to church because of COVID. Those people quit going out in the community to see their friends. Their neighbors quit visiting, and quite frankly, some of their close peers and friends and support members passed away due to being ill from COVID. That really made this population even more vulnerable. They became to where they could not get to the medical care that they needed because the previous support system they had was now taken away. That's so fascinating. You know, I've not heard about the term elder orphan before. I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about the transportation program that you worked in conjunction with the elder orphan. Sure, I'd be happy to. Here at Dorm Regional Health System, we have a behavioral health center, and that behavioral health center had a special program based upon senior counseling. That is where all patients that were 55 and older could come participate in a group therapy session. Our hospital had wrote for a grant to provide a bus to pick those particular patients up, bring them to the community area of where they would have the group counseling. They would stay either the morning time, have lunch, and then the bus would take them back or the bus would get them, bring them to lunch, and they would have their group therapy session in the afternoon. Well, obviously during COVID, there was no group therapy sessions to continue as that forced all of those patients into isolation, if you will, or to be cohorted away from each other. Every day when I came to work, I would see those buses sitting idle. And I thought, why are we not utilizing this resource? Why can we not repurpose it to serve our need right now? So in collaboration with our senior wellness center, I got with the leadership and said, we need to optimize this resource to meet our patients' needs right now. There are patients out here that cannot drive. Their family members can't take them. We need to utilize this resource to get them to definitive care. This would mitigate them from coming into the hospital as they could get their medication they could see their doctor, they could get to the definitive care that they needed, and it would decrease their exposure to COVID if they did, in fact, get admitted to the hospital. So that was really a win-win, not only for our health system, but for our community members as well. These two community programs are so remarkable. And so you've been working to identify and respond to the needs in the community, and you've started down the path of really focusing on identifying social needs. And recently, you've begun screening for social needs in your organization. Kristen, can you tell us more about how you go about screening your patients and what you do if you identify a patient who is at risk? Sure. The need was identified to screen all of our patients across every level of care that we offer. So we decided to start this with our acute population. So those patients that may be admitted to the hospital, we decided to have this done at the nursing admission assessment that's done as soon as they get up for admission so that 100% of our patients are screened and we have that knowledge and data to be able to intervene on those positive social determinants of health. 
we have a two-fold approach to the interventions that are provided. One is with case management. So on our acute side, case management receives a notification when a patient screens positive, and then they go to the bedside to discuss the situation on what the barriers may be, why that question was answered yes, and just dig a little bit deeper on the situation in general. Any referrals that they may be eligible for or programs are sent off at that time and discussed with the patient, and then they're notified and it's communicated that transitions of care, our department will also be following up when they discharge from the hospital. And so when they discharge from the hospital, transitions of care does follow up both telephonically and possibly with home visits as well, depending on the need that was identified. And what we do at that time is discuss what their situation is. Again, just to reiterate, make sure that any of those referrals that were sent off in the hospital are being followed up on, documentation needs are being provided, any needs that the patient needed to follow up with to be able to gain access to that intervention are completed, and just really be there for the patient to support them throughout that process because we know a lot of times being connected to some of these resources is exhausting. And with them being fresh out of the hospital, effort is challenging. And so we want to be there for them to be able to make sure that that resource is put into place in the most effective way to meet that patient's need. Now, for our screening, we identified seven key areas related to social determinants that we would be most impactful and to be able to provide actionable resources for the patient. So a few of those, for example, are food insecurity, transportation needs, housing and utilities, among a few others. And so some of those questions are, are you worried that in the next few months you may not have safe housing that you own, rent, or share? One of the other areas is health literacy. And so we ask for that question is, do you ever need help reading hospital materials? And it's really opened our eyes in discussing with the patients why they answered yes to some of these, surprising me why they answered yes and the needs that are unmet with them, such as the health literacy. These are patients that can be very well educated, professionals, but they don't understand some of our healthcare terms and discussions, or maybe at the bedside, we just need to slow down and reiterate some of the advice and education that's being offered to them. So it has helped us kind of tackle each of these seven determinants in different ways. And again, just really opened our eyes to why these questions are being answered and screening positive for so that we can impact those patients. Well, it sounds like the processes for screening have been pretty effective to identify those patients at risk and getting them connected with resources. You mentioned earlier that you utilize a community health navigator that follows up with patients who have social risk factors. Can you describe for us what it is that the community health navigator does and how this person has impacted patients in your community? So our community health navigator is an unlicensed position, so it is not a registered nurse, not a social worker, but 
a role that serves as an advocate for that patient and is heavily embedded into our community. That is the goal of this role. We want this person to walk alongside the patient while they're navigating these organizations and interventions that they may be eligible for, such as applying for disability, some of the transportation needs they may have. This role coordinates that need as well. It's really Again, just a supportive role that is there for the patient, and they know that they can call our community health navigator if there's any additional questions. It's really removed the barriers and helped us reach the patients in a different way and build that rapport with them so that they have trust in the fact that we are just trying to help them with those resources that may be so desperately needed to help them with their housing or utilities or even medications. And so the Community Health Navigator can follow up in one or two ways. She does follow up telephonically, but the most ideal situation is for her to provide a home visit to the patient. And so for some of those patients that are screening positive for multiple determinants, we make an appointment with that patient to follow up when they discharge home and she goes out to their home environment. And this has been eye-opening to see the situations and the environment that the patients are living in day to day. They may be screening positive positive for food insecurity. But oh, by the way, when we get to their house, we see that their ceiling has mold or is caving in, their car isn't working. And so there's no way that they're going to be able to get transportation to those appointments. And so even though they didn't screen positive, so to speak, for those determinants, we're able to identify and address those situations also. And the patients have just really opened up and been able to talk about a lot of different barriers that they've had in healthcare and just in life that the community health navigator has been able to help them with and be able to provide interventions for. So this role has been so important for our screening, this program, and what will come of it in the future as well. But without this role and navigator, we wouldn't have seen the success that we've seen in the short time that we've been doing this. Well, thanks for sharing the wonderful information about the Health Navigator. And I'm wondering, what is on the horizon now for you since you've begun these processes? What are the next steps that you're planning? Now that we have the data for our acute phase one screening, we do need to have this rolled out within our emergency departments. We have four emergency departments that screening that population will be huge. We have plans on having the screening roll out to our primary care and specialty care clinics, along with our ancillary services, such as outpatient wound care or infusion services. And we already know by screening in the acute hospitalized side that a lot of these patients are touching different areas of our health system that we would never know they were suffering from some of these barriers if we hadn't screened them. So it's been eye-opening to see what patients are suffering from and really struggling with when it's not just simply getting your medicines or getting to your appointments. They're going through many, many other things that they really need some guidance and help in trying to manage along with their health care. The definite next steps is rolling it out to those other levels of care, but then also being able to aid those patients in specific areas, specific cities that we serve, specific zip codes. Our population is becoming more and more rural as our patients are coming from further south. And 
And there's a big gap in different organizations providing services down there. And so this will help us provide the data and show proof of the need to collaborate on a greater level with community agencies. So that's an exciting piece of the next steps with this work. So as you think about the journey you've been on so far with social determinant screening and working within your community, what advice would you give other health systems that might be thinking about starting social determinants of health screening program? Kristen? Identifying the key teams needed to be involved in this work and screening is imperative. You have to know the departments that will be directly affected by this and educate them in a way that will be related to the patients being screened so that they know the end result and can explain why a health system is asking about utilities and housing. The other piece of this, I would say, is to ensure that there are passionate members of that team that's really going to stay steadfast with this work because it can be so exhausting, but then so rewarding at the same time. So really seeing those key departments, identifying those team members, education, and then just ensuring that this work is long and hard, but worth it in the end for the patients and for those providing these services. And Donna, what advice would you give? I think my advice would be, let your mind be open. I had a preconceived notion of what exactly our resources, what population, what age group, our resources that we do have needed to go to when they did screen positive for social determinants of health. So I need to be forthright and say, I was wrong. I had this notion and a bias that I was well in tune with what the needs of our community was. And I really thought our greatest need would be over the age of 65 or in the younger adult population from 18 to 26, if you will. And I found out very soon the data is objective and it takes all of your emotion away. And I will tell you now, our largest group that screens positive for social determinants of health is an age from 55 to 65. And that really opened my eyes to where our gap lies with our community. That is the age gap where they're not quite aged out to be eligible for Medicare, and they may have so many medical conditions or disabilities that they're no longer able to work full-time. But due to that age as well, their children may be adults to where they don't have children in the home to possibly be eligible for food or housing or other type of benefits. And that is where our resources needed to be applied. And I walked into doing this screening and assessment with a preconceived notion of knowing where the majority the resources that needed to fall. So let your data drive your decisions would be my advice. It's been so wonderful having you both on our show today. And the stories you told are so powerful. And the work you're doing at Norman Regional and for your community is so admirable. And we know that all of your efforts will have such a positive impact on your patients. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition of Knowledge on the Go. Thank you, Kristen and Donna, for sharing your story. And thanks to you for listening. Please join us for more Knowledge on the Go. Subscribe today, like us, and send us your comments at picollaboratives at vizianinc.com. From Vizian's PI Collaboratives team, I'm Laura Hoffman. Have a great day.